Well, hello there. Good evening. Today is Monday, July 20th, 5 p.m. And we're here at the Check Drop. This is our weekly uh, podcast for SummitComedy.com. And we uh, interview comedians from all over the, the country to entertain you. And uh, if you're bored and want to listen to some great comedian stories. And, and today we have a very special guest. Um, I'm going to give you his brief bio. And uh, this guy's great. I've known this guy for as long as I've been doing uh, booking comedy. And um, I guess he's best known for uh, his Dodge Hemi commercials. And we can talk about that in a bit. Uh, but he's also on the ABC sitcom Rodney, Rodney Carrington, another very funny comedian. And um, he, um, he was also one of the uh, last Comic Standing winners for uh, season 2007, fifth yeah. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give it up. And enter into the podcast, Mr. John Reap. John Reap. Hey, buddy. How hey, man. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm well. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> I feel good today. Today, I feel pretty good. How about you? I am pretty good as well. I, I, you know, 2020, it's just a mixed bag of roller coaster s- scenarios, and Gosh. it it changes minute. By minute, it by does. Hour, I guess I the, so. the the uh, numbers keep changing, rules keep changing, people's attitudes keep changing. I can't keep up with it, man. I can't yeah, keep up with my own life, the own stuff I got going on right now. So, it's so tough. so tell me about it. I mean, I just saw on Facebook that your dad is COVID positive, so that's yeah, really shitty. And I I'm sorry for your family and and tell us about yeah. all that. I can walk you through it. So um, not only my dad, but me, my brother, and my mother are all all t- tested positive for COVID. Oh, you did as well. Oh. I did. Uh, crazy thing is my dad got it, and we're, we're not even allowed to go near him. My dad lives in a skilled nursing facility ever since he had a stroke. So he's paralyzed on his left side, had a stroke about two years ago. Um, and since the COVID, since the pandemic, we're not allowed to go there. Um, I got tested positive uh, probably the 3rd of July. Um, is when I got, uh, yeah, that's when I took the test and it came back positive. It took a while to get the results, but I was positive on the 3rd of July. Now, now why'd you go take the test? Did you have uh, Yeah, oh, I felt like crap. Yeah. Okay. So I... Um, you know, I haven't done stand. I've only done one gig since February, um, okay. and the and, and my my philosophy on this was, I'm not going to be the one to cancel the gig. So it's kind of like playing chicken <laughs> with the with the venues that what I. What was the had. one gig? You want to take a guess? <laughs> this could be What's, fun. All right, what state was it in? Now, this one you should know. Okay, uh... Florida. Florida, F- Florida. So <laughs> the Comedy Zone in Jacksonville, Florida. No, no, it was actually Tampa, Tampa, Tampa side, side splitters. splitters. Okay, yeah. all right. So, so I, I, a lot of gigs got canceled before this. You know, um, I was supposed to be in Los Angeles doing a bunch of crap. I mean, it all got things started getting canceled for me in March, and but I told my manager and my agents, I'm like, that's cool, I get it, makes sense, but I'm not canceling. So if these gigs are going to go away, it's because they're going to pick up the phone and say, hey, we have to reschedule. I'm like, okay. cool. So I, the only one that did not do that was Tampa. <laughs> so, and and when was that? This how, was, far, uh, March, how far? March. This, no, I'm sorry. Hang on. What's today? Today is, gosh, July 20th. my concept of time is gone. Right. Um, 
This gig happened June 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay. Were you one of the first ones back for the, that club? Yeah. One of the, big, the first headliners, yeah. Okay. Um, they were doing, like, you know, local stuff here and there. Um, trying to figure it out. But um, so Florida opened up quick, you know, r- r- that first wave of openness. They were like, let's go. And I said, oh, shit, let's go. And um, jokes you know, must be told. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. But but also I have my own mask that I made. Uh, my merch guys like, hey, some people are making their own masks. You want to get in the mask business? I was like, well, it'll probably be, it'll probably be cured by the time you get these masks made. He goes, well, let's try it out. So I have, I have these masks. It's, uh, my, it's actually my face, although just it's, it's way too big. Yeah, my nose is way too big and my mouth is way too big. I look more like an orangutan from uh, every which way but loose. Like, so something tells me you did not get that mask um, for the weekend in Florida. Oh, I did. I okay. got it in time. And um, I sold a bunch of these. Did you? Do you feel like that's where you got your your COVID nineteen? And well, that's Florida? what I that's what I thought. That's what I was. I thought probably so. So I came back, and I got tested at CVS, and I got tested on the. Um, let's see here. I got tested on the fifteenth, sixteenth uh, of June, and that test came back negative, so okay. I did not have it. Now, at this point, I didn't know anybody in my town who had it either. Um, and now things are starting to slowly open up. Uh, Hickory has a nice downtown area where there's picnic tables, and you can just bring your own food with your friends. And so it was kind of nice to get out and do that. And I did that. And then I found out later that one of those friends, unbeknownst to them, had it, and then they tested positive. I'm like, oh, great. We were sharing an appetizer. Don't you feel like this whole uh, scenario with a mask and such, like if it's, it's if it's with somebody you know, you're like, eh, it's okay. I know Billy. I've known him my whole life or whatever. And then you catch it and you're like, ah. Yeah. Well, this person that tested positive is um, one of my best friend's wife. So I like saying, I got this from your wife, dude. <laughs> like you know, like I possibly hooked up with her, um, but no, I think that's where I, I got it. And then, um, so on the second or third of July, I started feeling really bad. I had all these big Fourth of July plans. I was going to rent a pontoon boat, take it out to Lake Hickory with like six of my friends. We we're going to have a great Fourth of July. And then um, I started feeling like crap. I had a fever of like a hundred point three. Every every muscle in my body started hurting really bad. I had a very bad headache. I could I could hardly walk, um, and and so I got tested. I went to an urgent care because the doctor's office was closed because it was a holiday. So I went to urgent care and got tested. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm just going to act like I have it. And then it, the results came back, and I and I do have it. Um, but that's been since the third right now I feel fine. So when you asked me earlier, how do you, how are you? Like today's a good day for me. I think I'm done with it. My taste buds are probably at about 80% now. Okay. It did affect my taste and my smell. So that was 17 days ago. So in theory, the 14 day quarantine is, wasn't quite enough for you. If you're still having the, the side effects. Uh, I think that's one thing that lingers more. This is what I've been told from people who've had it is like the taste it takes it takes a little while for the taste to come back 100%. And also, I got tested again um, Saturday. I don't have those results. I, I want to be able to tell people, you know, for sure, I do not have COVID anymore. Um, 
even though I could get it at the same time as I'm saying that I could get it again. Um, I got the blood test, the antibodies test, um, and they're going to tell me whether or not I have the, the antibodies that, you know, will prevent me from getting it or could help maybe the plasma. Uh, it'd be great to have that plasma, you know? Well, so, have they proven that fact yet that uh, if you get it, you can't get it again? Or no, is that still a myth? I, it, it's not 100%. Uh, I've been told that, um, you know, if you do have the antibodies, then they can maybe last in your system for a week or three weeks. And then once they go away, you could get them again. I mean, you could okay. get the you could get the virus again. So I, I don't think anybody knows anything 100% what's going on. That's why it's just better to be safe, you know? Right. So are you just taking time off now? Like, like even if somebody, say, another club wanted you, you're like, um, no, I'm going to stay home for a while. That's a good question because now I feel good again. <laughs> um, you're like, I need to go tell some jokes. It's nice to, it's nice to work. You know, it's, it's not, it's not normal for me not to be doing stand up at least well, every other weekend for any of us, uh, I mean, whether I'm bo- not booking comedy or you're telling jokes, it's just, you know, it's in our blood. It's that's our careers. So how life. many people have been sidelined now because of this? So no, it's hundred percent. It's just weird. And so I, uh, my next gig was supposed to be in Washington. They, they already canceled that one. So I didn't have to do it. Okay. Um, uh, my next official gig that's on the books is in August. So we'll see, uh, well, how it plays out, but, um, I'll make that decision closer to that time. Uh, if I do take the gig, I will be extra, extra safe this time. Yeah, um, you don't want to like a DL Hughley uh, scenario. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I saw the video. <laughs> um, that's crazy. I wish I had got mine on video so I could have gone viral. <laughs> right, because he <laughs> he did so much press after that. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you could just fake that for the next one. <laughs> I should on your August show. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I somehow got to figure that out. Um, did but you... the good thing about the, all this is that it's it's freed up a lot of time. Before I got sick. Because we've been like on lockdown since what March? Right, March. Um, well, it's right before my birthday. It was the day before my birthday, oh, yeah. March thirteenth. Uh, March fourteenth, my wife took me out to a brewery that was about to shut down, and oh, the brewery gig that you did for me, uh, yeah, that uh, has a beer named after you. Twenty six years. Right. Uh, it's nice. Um, yeah, so that's how long we've been locked in. Um, yeah, so it's uh, you know I've been um, trying to stay sane. Uh, what I do is. Creatively, I work on this podcast, but also my brother, um, you know, is a he's like a gym rat, right? He's like a CrossFit guy. Okay, he's very healthy. And once they canceled all the gyms, he started like jonesing, and he made a gym out of his garage. And uh, he's like, well, "Why don't you come over and uh, we'll do some workouts in my garage?" And for there for a couple of months, I, I was the healthiest I'd ever been. Man, I'd lost like fifteen pounds. I was doing CrossFit. I was doing all kinds of burpees and EMOMs and AMRAPs and all this stuff. And then now I got sick and I lost it all. So, um, but yeah, it's it's just really really weird, you know. It's, I, I like I've been joking that I uh, I've gained the COVID nineteen pounds. That's mm-hmm. you know some people went hard on the uh, exercising. I went hard on the uh, <laughs> cocktails yeah. and and bread. Have you been going out, doing anything? Are you quarantining? Are you worried about getting sick? You know what? I I was designated the hunter and gatherer um, out of the gate. My wife said, you know, go out and get the milk and bread, that kind of scenario. And um, I was always pretty good, always wore a mask. I'm still doing that. Uh, we went on our first um, 
trip this weekend. We went to Wilmington and went to the beach, and there was a wedding we went to. And I'm not going to tell you whose wedding because I don't want to throw them under the bus, but it was the craziest shit I've seen, like, as far as people, like, you know, in the city, just not, you know, wearing masks and just gathering, acting like nothing was going on. And and then we just kind of just went right back to our hotel room and just holed up in there. So... It's it's awkward and that's how it was when I was in Florida. Um, it, it was it was as if nothing was going on. I saw maybe three masks, um, and even me, like I, I just got into my my normal habit of meeting and greeting and shaking hands. And you know, I'm trying to sell masks, so I'm standing out there. Right. Um, technically, I should have gotten it in Florida, but I think I came back negative. But yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Uh, I, I don't get mad at people for not wearing it because I remember when I flew to Florida, it was weird having to actually having, having to wear it. Like, cause you know, eyeballs are on you. You're at the airport. You can't get on that plane without one. Uh, unless they've changed that. I don't know. I but, think so are you selling, you trying to sell your mask while waiting oh, in line to get on? <laughs> now when I fly, I don't want to talk to anybody. So I did not wear this one because this yeah, one that draws attention. Right. Yeah. Right. So the good thing is you can put it on back reverse and it's just a white oh, mask. There, there you go. Yeah, so it's actually two masks. It's a good but, s- selling point there. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, it's three masks because if you want to frown, you just put it upside down uh, oh. and see my, my, my nose becomes a chin. You have all the selling points just taken care of already. So, <laughs> but Yeah, it was, uh, I, you know, I had to wear it and I was like, oh man, this is really a pain in the ass. Cause I burped it a couple times and it was just very uncomfortable and I didn't like it. Um, so I understand why people are like, no, I'm not wearing it. And I, I don't, I mean, you should wear it. I think people should wear it definitely in public, but I understand why they wouldn't want to. Right. But I would never get mad at them for wearing a mask. Now that one, that one has been puzzling the crap out of me. Why anyone would get mad at someone for wearing a mask. You know, like calling them sheep and stuff. I'm like, right. I'm trying to save your life, dumbass. <laughs> right. And so when you see that, you just know that this isn't going away anytime soon. I mean, it's you just got to wait for the vaccine, I guess. I guess that's that's what we're going to wait for. Yeah. So. I saw a post. I saw a post too. someone said, like, if you if you're mad at me right now for wearing a mask, for not wearing a mask, think of how mad you're going to be when I don't get the vaccine. I'm like, oh, what, what? <laughs> who is this? Who? There are people who think that way. I've seen that as well. People kind of referring to like, you know, when you download like Windows 10, like, oh, don't be the first one because it's got all the, the, the kinks and the viruses in it. It's like, I'm not going to uh, be that first one. <laughs> right. I've heard people say that. I'm like, okay. Yeah, nice. it was, it's, it's nuts. And even when I went to Tampa, you know how it is when you, when you don't do stand up for a while, you, you really have to like, go over your set you get rusty it's like use it or lose it right so i remember being in the green room and i should have prepared way before this but i was just i've never i've always crammed you know at the last minute but i'm at the green room i'm at the club in the green room and i'm trying to write down my set i'm thinking oh man okay so what am i gonna i'll do this i'll do this and as i'm sitting here trying to write my set list not only did I forget some of my bits? I forgot what I called the bits. So I was, I was trying to write down just the title of a bit. I'm like, 
What, what do I call that? Um, and Nike that, shoe. Yeah. Just numbers or letters. Yeah. I got <laughs> you're one trying called, to refer back to them. Yeah, I got one called the Hickory Head Shake. And I'm like, what do I call that? Oh, oh, the Hemi thing. Okay. So it was really it was really tough. It was really strange. I mean, you know, you could always tell. Like, a, if you ever come see me at a comedy club and you hear me go, yeah, but uh, that's really crazy right now, huh? Whew. Then you well, know. Weather. I, I have forgotten what I'm doing, and I'm stalling. I did that four times on that first – that Thursday show was tough. I don't know how many times I stopped and did that. Yeah, but uh, – and then I say, uh, any questions? Check out my mask. <laughs> Why does he keep talking about his mask? Mm-hmm. <laughs> speed bump, speed bump. Yeah, at one point, by Friday, I had gained some confidence. I had gotten better. I put this mask on, and I, I told him just to start playing one of my comedy bits. And I was going to make it look like I'm, you can't tell if my mouth is moving, you know? So it's like, it's like, like it's already, you know, like a bit that I've already recorded and I'm doing it right there. Yeah. Like a a ventriloquist. Right. Dummy. (laughs) You're Jeff Dunham all of a sudden. That's right. (laughs) Now, have you tried the Zoom comedy? Like I know so many people have tried to uh, profit from. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, In fact, I actually ended up canceling a gig. A Zoom gig because they wanted me to do material. I said, uh, I'm not doing that. Um, yep. I'll talk to you. We'll have a conversation. I'll try to be funny in that conversation. But if you want me to perform to a camera with no one in the room and weird delays going on, I- I'm not doing that. Um, yep. uh, but I've seen it and I've seen people attempt it and it's weird. It doesn't look great. Yeah. I think uh, I think everybody's just pivoting as the best they can. Right. I mean, if if you need the funds to 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 eat, I mm-hmm. do not hold it against anybody that's trying to do that. I've I'm selling some virtual comedy the same way. Yeah. The demand is there. I know you used to do the college market quite a bit. So yeah. the college market is in a weird scenario where they are getting ready to go back to school and yeah. the student activities directors for these schools are obviously hired to do just that entertain these students and engage them and so wow virtual I, events are yeah sold and I've, I've definitely I've, I've definitely fantasized about that just so i wouldn't have to travel so i need to get over that um and i've seen a couple of uh, videos i think i saw taylor tomlinson do a thing where she was standing on a stage and there were like these monitors all around right. her of other people's faces Yes, um, which made a virtual crowd. Uh, I'm sure she wasn't in a room with all those monitors. That was probably a green screen situation. But it actually is a monitored room. Um, I've seen the, uh, I guess the promo reel. I think it's the Gersh agency. Who I oh okay, you I used to be with. with. Yeah. yeah, so I believe it's Gersh that they have created um, a studio where they their clients go in and perform. Wow. Just for that, so it's a basically a Zoom show, but they've created a, a, a wall of video, um, I guess, monitors. Gosh, Can you imagine? They mean, were I... quick. They were quick to to pivot and do that. And and again, kudos for their innovation for doing that. Uh, they have a really nice sound and lights, and they just created the studio. I, I need so. to go check that out because I'm curious how it how it seems for the comic. Because um, we we feed on the laughter, right? Like as soon as you tell a joke and the laugh happens, you know it worked and you can move on or whatever. Um, but I'm wondering how that plays out when you're standing there in front of the monitors. I guess each monitor has a has its own sound and 
<laughs> I can imagine you're doing something. All of a sudden, a baby come running in. Someone else's Zoom or like a dog jumps on a computer. There's a lot more distractions that could probably happen. Yeah, I don't know if each one has their own sound or if it's just all pumped in together. I did because the the promo reel I saw that was pretty short. So I did notice that um, it's almost odd that the the talent, the comedians, their back is turned to the camera. Yet they're talking to individual screens so they can see the the names of the uh, people that are okay. watching. Okay, so you can show. see their names. Oh, yeah, so you can say, "Hey, Karen," and yeah. just start, talk to her directly and such. But again, I mean, I mean, every, I've, I've it, thought about this for a long time just to because so, I hated the travel part of doing the gig. We all love the, the gig, the gig, but we hate getting there. You know, that's the hard part. That's what they say that we get paid for is traveling. But I um. How far away from the hologram situation? I feel like we could do holograms. <laughs> well, that's funny that you say that word because my wife and I have always talked. You know, my company's done pretty well over the last 22 years. And I've always wondered, like, hey, I feel like I'm one of the smarter people in the room as far as outwitting my competition to stay afloat and stay trendy and always find the next John Reap or whatever <laughs> like comedian it is to, you know, especially in the college market, you're always looking for that next great act. Um I always thought about what what is the thing that could take me down and don't want to find you don't want to be blockbuster video right, right that you right. just you just turn your back on something and and you just get passed and I said I used to always say holograms that's the only thing I could think of like maybe holograms will like put me out of business oh so, right well so, so we have to, you and I both have to invest in the hologram stock I guess so. or something. I don't know I don't know what's next who knows I just I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> no comedian I know likes this. No. Except, I know one comedian. One comedian. Colin Moulton. You know him? Yeah, I know he, Colin. He he says he loves the virtual shows. So, Well, I, maybe I should try one out. I just don't like the way that they've looked. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, li- I don't know if you know this much either. I should catch you up on all this. So I moved out of Los Angeles um, a couple years ago. Because of many factors, what one dad have dad's health. So now I can't I can't even tell people I'm a comedian anymore. I can tell them I'm an Uber care like a, a elder care Uber driver. Because all I do is take my mom to eye doctors uh, appointments, uh, skilled nursing facilities, hospital visits. Then I get eye drops. I go to CVS and get drugs. I thought you were going to say you were an Uber driver. That would actually be kind of funny. <laughs> no, but I did think about doing this on my podcast, and I think every comedian should do it, is we all try to go get our first job back. Like the one that you quit to do stand-up. Okay. Go back and try and get that job. And, That's actually know. a great show to pitch, an old network yeah. show, when, yeah. when those happen again. Mine would be uh, Chick-fil-A. Okay. That was that, that was, was the, the no, job no, no, you quit. I'm sorry, that wouldn't be the one I quit was in Raleigh. I'm thinking because now I'm back in Hickory. See, I moved out of Hickory in 1992, and then I'm I moved to Raleigh, and I went to school at NC State, and I was I lived in Raleigh because that's when I started doing stand up as well. Um, so I graduated, but I stayed there. I lived there for about eight years, and then in 2000, I moved to Los Angeles. And I was there for 18 years. So I've not even lived in Hickory since 1992. And, and now I'm back here. And I'm living here. I'm in the same room I grew up in. 
<laughs> it's really weird. So yeah. I, for me, it'd be kind of funny to get the very first job I had in Hickory, which would have been a Chick-fil-A. But the last job I had was working at a TV station in Raleigh, and I was working at PBS. Now, what was the first time? I assume Charlie Goodnights was the first stage you got on? That's right. Okay, yep. being from Raleigh. so Yep. That's, um, that's well, I was going to school at NC State. I was a theater major, uh, you know, class clown in high school. Everyone said, you're funny, you should do stand-up. And in my brain, I thought, oh, that's cool. That's a, that's a crazy dream I'll fantasize about. Um, because in my brain, those places only existed in L.A. or New York. You know, I didn't, I've just seen on tonight shows. I didn't know there were clubs all over the country. And so when I go to Raleigh and I notice someone says, yeah, there's a comedy club here. It's like supposed to be one of the best ones. I'm like, are you kidding me? We have a comedy club who comes here. And so a lot of people, it's a nice club. Yeah. 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 Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, a lot of people came there. So I'm like, well, now I have to go there. And I remember the first time I stepped foot in that place. I was just curious. I had no money. The show had already started. And I just asked the, the lady at the ticket booth. I said, I don't want to buy a ticket. I mean, I really just want to stick my head in the door and see what it looks like in there. And she goes, uh, like, uh, no, I, you're buying a ticket. Well, uh, she was nice. She goes, fine. And she just opened the door and I, I put my head in. And I saw there was a comedian on stage. Uh, I have no idea who it was. It was a, a female comedian and the, the place was packed. And she told a joke. And the whole room just busted out laughing. And I looked at the round. I was like, oh, my God, I'm addicted to this. So now. now what year was that? That would have been. Um, let's see here. Luke there night. So that would have been probably 95. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, now I have the possibility to pursue this, this fantasy. But I also got scared because now I have the possibility to screw it up at the same time. It happened like that. I was happy one second, and the next second I was very sad and scared because in my brain, I was already successful. I was doing The Tonight Show. I, I already had my own sitcom. It was great. I was funny. And now you're in college there? Yeah. Still? And, and now, now it's like, oh, okay, yeah, well, go ahead. Try it. See how good you are. And now I know, like, fuck, it's going to be hard. <laughs> and I got to figure it out. And so that's what I did for a couple of years. Yeah, a good comedian makes it look so uh, easy and seamless. Like, like, like they just was rambling off the top of their head and making everybody yeah. laugh. I think I fell in love with just how, like, the, how powerful it was. You know, like this girl had the command of three hundred people, and they were hanging on her every word. And she said two or three things, and they all laughed at the exact same time. I'm like, how do you do that? It's like a wizard. And you don't remember who that was? Mm -mm. No, no. Now. I'm trying to remember the first time I met you, it was in Charlotte. There was a competition. Uh, Judy Brown was in town, um, who is now your manager, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Which crazy. Funny. Uh, she was in town. She was casting for the HBO uh, Comedy Fest for, for Aspen. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I met you. And I remember seeing you get up on stage at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, uh, the old one on Independence Boulevard. And you got up there, and I think it was only like a minute or two-minute audition. And I remember you got off stage, and you said, my name's John Reap. That was the first time I've ever been on stage. And <laughs> you walked off. And I was like, is he serious? Like, I must have not had a good set in my brain, and that was like my excuse. <laughs> like just, uh, If it was in Charlotte, I remember that. 
I remember going there and doing that, and I didn't get picked to make it to the next round in Charlotte. Um, I think I had an okay set, and who knows what I said at the end. I probably did say that. I want to say that was around 98. Okay, that sounds about I, right. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> But I did do well. Uh, that, see, I went to another audition. I would chase these places around. So uh, there was one in Charlotte, and there was one in Nashville. Okay. So I went to the one in Nashville, and there I did make it to the. I actually, I actually ended up winning the one in Nashville, um, nice. and then got chose to to make it to the next round of auditions in Los Angeles or whatever. I so, just remember because you were there. I met you. Um, uh, Daniel Tosh was at that yeah. one as well. <laughs> oh wow! Because um, I remember going out to lunch with uh, Daniel Tosh, uh, Kenny Smith, and a couple other comedians, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, it was crazy the, wow. the amount of talent that was there that you know moved up the ladder down the road and just I got to tell you this one in so when I, in Nashville, um, I had a good set and now the show's over, right? And they needed someone to go back on stage and kill time while the judges figured out who was going to win the whole thing. And they just picked a random comic who lived there, a guy by the name of J. Scott Holman. Oh, yeah. I, and I heard he just passed away. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, he wasn't a part of this competition. He was just there. And so they said, will you come up here and kill time? He and was amazing. He was I the love funniest that guy. guy that, he was the funniest guy that night. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, I am so happy he's not a part of this competition because he definitely would have won. He was one um, of those comedians where, like, you know, it's you wonder why he's not famous, but mm-hmm. there's a million of those guys that yeah. just didn't make it through the ranks for whatever reason. He was so good. He was great. He was really funny. When he was on, he was unbeatable. But when he was off, it was sad. Um, because I could on, on a two night show, that first show, like seven o'clock, he would destroy. And then that nine thirty, nine o'clock, show, he would just start getting into the alcohol yeah. and or whatever. And you uh, couldn't comprehend what he said. And, and it was, it was kind of sad, but yeah, he died. Um, I think I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe in pancreatic cancer or liver failure. I heard it was some kind of cancer. Yeah. yeah. So. That's sad. Yeah, oh, very sad. We just brought it to a screeching. Yeah, a lot of comedians <laughs> have been dying recently. <laughs> <laughs> Not on stage. Nobody's I mean, on stage. their careers. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's pivot a bit. Um, so, I mean, one of the most things you're famous for is those Dodge commercials. I mean, how huge was that? Because that was before your last uh, or the um, the last comic standing. Yeah. Yes, it so, was. Um, so. I feel like you're more known for that than your last comic it's standing win. Probably so. I think you're right, definitely. Because those commercials, um, so I ended up doing six of them, and they aired from like uh, 2002 to about 2006 or seven, right? Um, and it's, it was before TiVo, really. So like, like the first three, you couldn't even fast forward through them. And they, they were on every channel. They aired it a lot. So my face would pop up on your TV whether you wanted to see it or not. Right. You know, last comic standing, you had to choose to go watch that. You know what I mean? So I think my face definitely – that was the first thing I did where people recognized my face. You know, I remember um, that first commercial. I remember sitting in a, a beat-up duster. I'm in the middle of a desert in Palmdale, California with this other actor who I, I didn't know. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this is great. I'm the fattest I've ever been. I look like crap. I've got these weird side chops and crazy hair. You know, I was just thinking to myself, no one's going to know what a Hemi is, and I'm going to look like crap, and I just want this day to be over with. I'm glad I got the gig, but let's just, you know, let's get back to stand-up or something. And I couldn't have been more wrong. You know, it was like one of those commercials that just took off. But that was what the whole thing is. Nobody knew what the hell of a Hemi is, and probably still don't, but they know that you created that that character, and it, even if they don't remember you, if you mm-hmm. said... That thing got a Hemi. Right. They know that line. It's, it's kind of like, "Where's the beef?" You might not recognize the old lady from the Wendy's commercials or whatever, but, but they know, they the, know line. the line. That's true, and it's also, um, you know, there are a lot of like Mopar, like gearheads, NASCAR truck guys who. So the Hemi engine apparently was a big deal back in the day when Richard Petty won all the NASCAR races. What made him the king of NASCAR was this Hemi engine. And I'm not really a big car guy, but everyone thinks I am because of this commercial. Right. But really, I didn't. I wasn't like a crazy nut about it. But apparently, this commercial struck a chord because finally the Hemi engine, which had been outlawed um, in NASCAR and just sort of like is a gas guzzler, so they just stopped making them. But apparently these these gearheads loved it, and now I'm reintroducing it to the world, and it's in a truck, and people just like, oh hell yeah, you know, and it just they sold it's more trucks. Blowing brains, they're all just excited. Apparently, there's numbers, you know, there's tests that they've done that you know I was told by some marketing guy that um, in terms of a, a commercial selling the product. Like in the automotive world, there's nothing like it that had, had ever been done up to that point, which is why they kept making them. You know, they didn't, they didn't know they was going to do six. Well, that was my next question. As an agent, I always ask the money question. So did you sign a, a one uh, commercial deal or multiple yeah. ones? It was one. All because right. They had no clue they were going to do more. All right. So um, then after that one, I assume you didn't get paid a whole lot for that one. And then you're like, wait, right. this, sh- this shit's taken off and... It's yeah, me. I tell you, I got paid um, probably three thousand dollars for the first oh, one. Jesus, um, that's just for being there. Plus the residuals, res- though. The residuals on the back are different. The okay. residuals went through the roof. Um, but in terms of just being there, it's like the minimum, whatever the Screen Actors Guild minimum Scale. was. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, and I have a good agent because you know, he he's like, okay, well, um, if they do another one, we'll 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 we'll, we'll get them for some more, and so. They kept, you know, they didn't know how big it was going to be. They asked me for another one. He doubled that that amount, and we didn't know there'd be a third. And so by the time the third one came along, I said, um, yeah, see if you can get a vehicle. You know, that'd be nice. We kind of like to, to have a new vehicle. This is on number three? or This was number three. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, that's about right. I would ask for a vehicle. On three. three. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I was still living in, uh, I was living in Los Angeles. I didn't have a great ride at the time. And anyway, he called him up and this is how good the agent was. Like he made it sound like it was their problem. Like he called them up and said, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but your spokesman, your Dodge Hemi guy is driving around Los Angeles right now in a Suzuki sidekick. They're like, what? <laughs> that we is can't... a great agent right there. Yeah, like, well, like, we can't have anything to that. Yeah. He's got to have the product that he's selling. <laughs> yeah, It's like the so Verizon that, guy like holding a, a Sprint phone or whatever. You have to have the product that you're walking I mean, around you know, selling. 
But he he made the point too. He's like, well, this guy's a stand-up. He tours all over the country. People are going to see him. Uh, don't you want him in the product that he's, you know? And they're like, yeah. And so like they scrambled that day, and I and I ended up getting a brand new Dodge Ram fifteen hundred quad cab. Oh, that's awesome. Chrome wheels. It was black. It was nice. Um, got it that day. Went down there and just signed paperwork. Came back with a new truck. <laughs> Paid the taxes and everything on it. They just yeah, gave it to- yeah. I had to pay uh, like you know it was like a partial payment of okay. them, them paying me for the third one, but I it was like the bare minimum. You know, it's still packed. a great story. I mean, what a cool gift yeah it was great i had it for a while um and then uh that thing driving that big truck in los angeles was a pain in the ass um the the parking spaces in la are tiny um i'd go to the comedy store and i'd roll up and these guys look at me like man please don't pull that in here we there's no place for us to yeah there's no room (laughs) yeah and it was just got to be a, a, a pain in the butt um so i had it for a little while and got rid of it I could already see you, like, I don't know if you did this, but this would have been a great marketing, too, for every club you went to go into every Dodge dealership during the day on the weekends and doing uh, a meet and greet or like or just calling everyone and say, hey, you paid me three grand. I'll come hang out for an hour. Well, I did site. that. I okay. actually did do that. Um, I would call up. Uh, I was thinking I was being innovative there for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. Uh, but, it, but it had been done. But that's great minds think alike. That's yeah. what that is. But, yeah, there was uh, there were times where the club and or the radio station or me or my agent would arrange something like that. We'd be like, well, if we're going to do radio to promote the show, why don't we do a remote? And why don't we call up the dealership? And you'll go down to Dodge dealership. We'll do a live radio thing. Come on down, meet the Hemi guy. Oh, by the way, you can see him at the Comedy Zone. You know, symmetry. Everybody they're, helping each other. They're, they're like, wait, he's a comedian? Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. There are tons of people who had no idea. And I totally used it to get people in the club. This is before, like, honestly, before I did the Dodge commercials, I had done um, one thing on television that was from like 2004 to 2006, right? The commercials, the commercials, 2002 to about 2006. Okay. You know, I did six of those. I did six of them. And so they, um, but prior to that, the only thing I had done on television was one, one late night thing. And I, I think maybe I had a comedy central presents, but those are around the same time, but most people didn't see that. They just know me from the commercial. So what I would do is, you know, bill myself as the Hemi guy. I'd be like, yeah, come see John Rape, the Hemi guy. People are like, oh, that guy. Okay. So out of, out of curiosity, people would come into clubs sometimes uh, just because they liked the commercial. And then they would find out, oh, shit, this guy's got an act. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that on posters like for the college market and such, too. Just yeah. That. yeah. Just, so whatever it took hey, to get people in the door. W- yeah. Whatever you need to do. Whatever it takes is yeah. what you say. I heard this story about uh, 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 Larry the Cable Guy, you know, how he had uh, used his real name most of his career, uh, and he was just doing that Larry the Cable Guy as a character. And then one day the guy at the club, uh, Les McCurdy at McCurdy's in Sarasota, Florida, said, what if we just bill you as Larry the Cable Guy? Just get rid of your name. No one knows that. Yeah, Dan Whitney is his name. That's right. And then after that, it was he's Larry the Cable Guy forever. I have a headshot still somewhere that it says that. It's yeah. The Dan Whitney. Yeah, it says like, Dan Whitney. That? Right. <laughs> he was the diesel. Yeah. So that's crazy. So um, so you pivoted and then you moved to L.A. and 
you know, that, is that what is that a good yeah. move for you? Do you feel like that helped that? Because obviously now you're coming back to to Hickory. Yeah, and you can answer that first, and then I do want to talk about Hickory because I I just feel like you have put that town on the map more than anybody, <laughs> any other place. I mean, even in the comments here, like Hank Danson, Hank Denson, you know, Hickory, you know, everybody just knows it. Like, he yeah, just, Hickory. Yeah. The way yeah. you say it, it's just, well, that's, I, I, I blame last comic standing for that one because, uh, I've talked about Hickory in my act many, many times. It's one of one of my first jokes was talking about, you know, where I'm from. And so when I got on last comic standing, uh, I, I did that bit, and when I said Hickory, I shook my head, and now that's part of the bit. But what they did on Last Comic Standing was they used that as a promo, right? So every episode, they'd be like, and coming up next, we got the guy from Hickory, and it'd be just me saying Hickory. So I said Hickory every episode, even though I only said it one time. They aired it so many times that um, what used to be part of the setup is now the punchline. So now when I would tour... I walk on stage and go, I'm not from Dayton, Ohio. I'm from, and the whole crowd goes, Hickory. You know, so now they say it. Um, but yeah, I blame Last Comic Standing for that one. Do, do the uh, the townsies of Hickory like this or do not? Like, Oh, it's mixed. <laughs> it's mixed. The people who know me like it. They're cool with it. They think it's funny. They're like, yeah, that's true. And then there, there's, because I make Hickory look that big. And Hickory's really—it's a—it's a city, you know. It's—it's uh, it's not that small, but I make it sound small. But the part that I'm from is kind of small, Mountain View. That's I'm like, when I say Hickory, I mean Mountain View, which is a small suburb of Hickory. Okay. Um, and I still do this every time I say it. Uh, it's I like you got Tourette's. My neck is sore <laughs> from doing this for 20 years. Um, but yeah, so I made it sound really small. But there are people who. You know, the the people who live on Lake Hickory or in the city or, you know, the ones who don't consider themselves blue collar at all, they hate that part. And I'm like, well, tough shit. That's where you live, buddy. Um, plus, you know, I was gone. I'm, but uh, I'm trying to think, what was, the, what was the very first question you had? Oh, yes. Well, I knew, LA. Yeah. So here's how that went down. Did well doing stand-up as a feature act. Um, was winning little contests here and there, just for laughs, Montreal, HBO auditions, you know, little little things like that. Started getting really kind of just talked about a little bit. And then um, I got invited to go to Montreal, which is, you know, like the biggest comedy festival, um, just for laughs. And what year was that? Uh, 2000. Okay. So in 2000, I go to Montreal. I do well. I take all these meetings afterwards with different agents and managers and production companies and networks. And, and they all said the same thing. It's like, well, you know, uh, you're funny um, and you're physical and you act out a lot. You should think about moving to Los Angeles and uh, get into acting. You know, I have a theater degree. I went to school at NC state. I graduated with a mass communication and theater degree. Uh, so I'm like, well, okay, sure. No brainer. Just... Why don't I use my career, my, my degree? Um, and I had, now, did you feel comfortable like doing that or do you were like, uh, I need still need to go take some classes. To... Well, I, I did take classes. Um, and I, uh, I took a couple different classes when I moved to LA. I took like a, a scene study class. I took, uh, just a, a intensive a casting thing, uh, a, a commercial act, a commercial acting, uh, workshop type thing. I took like three or four different little classes like that. Was but that it, on your own, or did your uh, management team kind of push you towards that direction? And 
my that my agent no oh joey you know joey edmonds oh yes yes joey edmonds was my manager for that long oh really i did yeah. not know that yeah he was the guy who introduced me to my uh first commercial agent and so yeah he's you know when he he lived in burbank and yeah, so he's a great I, guy he's great, great guy. family I, joey edmonds saved my saved me him and retta um actually got me out of debt because when I had first moved to Los Angeles after doing the Montreal thing, and I'm like, screw it, I got a credit card, I'll just go out there and figure it out. I just got to get out there. Yeah. And so I did that, and um, you know, uh, which means I couldn't do I couldn't do the the gigs I was doing on in the South because I didn't have those connections anymore. This is a whole new thing, and no one knew who I was, and it was tough. So I, I wasn't making any money. I was living off my credit card, so I had to file for bankruptcy, and then. Um, Retta, you know Retta? Yeah, Parks and Rec. Yep. She, and she was uh, also on Joey's roster as well, yes, Joey Edmonds. she yes. was. So she goes, how come you're not doing colleges? I go, how do you do that? She goes, NACA. I'm like, what's that? She goes, oh, give me a tape. And so I gave her a tape, and um, she gave it to um, an agent. And I didn't get Joey right away. I got a different agent. God, who was it? Oh, it's killing me now. Were you with Barbara Coppersmith, maybe? No, is there? It's not Three Arts. What's what's it? Was a young, it was a young dude's name. Uh, South Carolina. Um, oh, Josh. Uh, yes, Josh Wainwright. Yes, yes, that's him. He was Quantum there, Talent, I think it was. Yeah, Quantum I think it changed it a couple times. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, he was my first college agent, and he he you know he found the tape. I guess Reddit had given it to different agents. Okay. Um, I ended up going with Joey after uh, after a while, but it was with Josh is what saved my ass because right away I went and showcased at the NACA in uh, Wisconsin, which at the time was its own region. Just the whole state of Wisconsin was its own region. Um, you know, you have Southeast, Northeast. <laughs> it was just one called okay. Wisconsin. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll go there in the winter. And um and I, you I charged double during the winter. <laughs> I guess so, but I did. I booked a lot of gigs, and that got me out of debt. Um, and then later on, I ended up getting Joey and and all that other stuff. But there's a comment here from uh, James Contrato, who's a student activities director with um, an Alabama school. He says John was one of my first comics I worked with in undergrad. So, mm. so yeah. Well, hey James. Yeah, good guy. Um, I also have a question here from comedian Tara Brown. Do you think that you have to be in New York or L.A. to make it in comedy? Depends on what you mean by make it. I, that's what I definitely thought in the beginning. I don't know if that's true anymore. But to some degree, yes. Uh, if you mean make it as in using comedy as a stepping stone to get to something else, which is what, movies, television, um, then probably so because that's where you're going to meet an agent or a manager who has that kind of uh, you know network and pull and power. Um but if you just want to be a successful YouTube road comic who does radio and does your own podcast, you might not even need LA anymore. But if you want to make it to show business, probably so. I chose Los Angeles because I already had some uh, friends living there. Um, it's more actory based than stand up comedy based. Like if you want to be strictly just a stand up comic, there's probably more opportunities for you to get on stage in New York City. I've heard that people could do. 10 sets in one night in New York just by jumping from, you know, comedy club to comedy club in one night. 
in LA, it's different, you know. Um, but there are more auditions for TV shows, commercials, and movies in Los Angeles. That was in 2000. I'm not sure how it is now, but um, it's a good place to go. I wouldn't go right out the gate. What I would do if I'm starting out is get as good as you can in the spot you're at. And then once you think you've mastered that, someone else will tell you you need to go to L.A. Someone else will be like, oh, man, um, you're good. You should try to go over here. You should try and do this. Other people will be telling you. You'll be thinking it, but other people will, will be confirming that thought. Yeah, it'd be like Retta telling you, hey, you should do colleges. You know, yeah. You're ready for those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, I, I don't remember you really doing the whole one-nighter circuit so much. Did you do that, or did you just kind of concentrate on the full-time clubs? I did some. I mean, um, yeah, I did uh, Dave, God, what's his last name, Tribble? Tribble. So I did the some famous tribble, tribble, tribble runs. I did some Tribble runs. Nice. Um I did the uh, you know, like like in the South. I I don't remember you working the because I booked a lot for the uh, Comedy Zone back in the day, and then when I yeah. branched out for Summit, I I had a lot of one nighters as well. So I don't I just, know. I I feel like and maybe this was just something comedians thought, but if you were doing good nights, then it's like you shouldn't go go do the Comedy Zone in Charlotte or vice versa. There was supposed to be some fake rivalry that I don't even know if it really existed, but I had heard people mention that before. So I stayed mostly on the raleigh side of north carolina before i got to the charlotte side of north carolina okay. uh, in terms of doing stand-up so i did some one nighters in winston-salem i did some one nighters in you know um fort bragg on the eastern side of north carolina and south carolina i did do some comedy zone one nighters here and there but i didn't i didn't focus on just that like i i i had no sense of routing myself i was just like i'll take whatever i can get i remember doing a gig in fargo north dakota and the very next night i was supposed to be on stage in myrtle beach south carolina and this is before i could afford a plane ticket so i had to drive as soon as i got off stage i didn't watch the rest of the show i was a feature act i didn't even watch the headliner i left i got paid early and i just drove all night and I got to Myrtle Beach, and I was opening for Tim Wilson. And I walked in, and he could tell I had been driving all night. He's like, "Good Lord, what happened to you?" You know. And uh, it, that, but I, you know, I, I'm sure I did some comedies on one nighters here and there. I just didn't. I was just wasn't just there. I was everywhere. What was your your favorite club you've ever worked um, in the past, or like? Whether it's closed or open now, like what's your favorite club besides Good Nights? Right, um, it's not even that. It was that. Uh, lately, it's either Nashville, Zanies, or Denver Comedy Works downtown. Okay, those two clubs, it's like a cakewalk. I mean, if you're moderately funny, they're gonna love you. Everyone seems to be in a good mood, and this, this is prior COVID. Um, Everyone seems to be in a good mood. They're ready to laugh. They're they're. It's good for me because it's those both of those cities, Nashville and Denver, have a little bit of blue collar, but they also have city in them. You know, they're they're major cities. They have a lot of people that live there. They're open minded. They got a little bit of blue collar, so they're like me. You know, I'm like a Metro Jethro. You know, I'm country ish, so it makes sense for me. Yeah, I went to the uh, Colorado Club for the first time in February. 
and it was the most constricted I felt in a seat at a comedy club. Which I know one? You, and the the comedy works in in, in Denver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know in. you probably don't sit in those seats because you're on stage, but uh, you are you are jammed in like sardines. So yeah. so now thinking now with the COVID and six feet of distancing, I don't know yeah. how the hell these clubs are going to open back up again. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, and Raleigh was a great place to start. Um, it definitely gave me confidence. Raleigh was still is but you know one of the best clubs on the east coast uh they got a lot of good headliners in there and it was they packed them in there as well and that was one of those rooms as well if you were moderately funny you're gonna feel like you're you're a genius and um i remember it's in a way in a weird way i got spoiled there because i was used to doing well every time and then i remember the first time i did stand up outside of the comedy club and boy was my confidence shot after that because I felt like, oh, well, this is, it must be like this everywhere. And I did some, gosh, some one-nighter in Winston-Salem. It was at a pool bar, pool hall. And me and this other comic walked in, and we walked up to, like, the manager. And we go, oh, yeah, so uh, with the comics, he's, and he says this, oh, shit, that's tonight, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, I think it is, yeah. He's like, all right, well, hang on a minute. Let me get you set up. And we're like, this is like oh. ten minutes from showtime. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you see him like grabbing a a, a dirty uh, mic stand and a, a mic. He's trying to the cord's too small, and he's trying to figure out how to hook it up to this. It's in a corner of a, a corner of the room where there's a window behind it, so people just walk past you, and look in there, and look at you. And I remember the guy saying like, uh, he turned off the game. There's some game that, at the bar. Like, I'm he surprised off, he did that. Well, he did, and people right away were mad. And uh, he goes, "Sorry, it's um, well, we're doing comedy night, so let's uh, check out these guys." And I'm like, "Oh, hi, <laughs> woo, good to be here." <laughs> and I remember people were mad at us. They were mad that we were there. And I'm like, so, I just had to. I, I was like, I guess I have to do 25 minutes, or I won't get paid. <laughs> we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was brutal. It was torture. So what is the worst gig you've ever encountered? Uh, worst gig. Surely you have one that is yeah. like in your Rolodex that you're like, that's yeah. it. There, I 2001, know, Topeka, all, or whatever. I'm trying to think of what, like, worse for me, worse for the crowd, worse for the club. I will say one of the toughest, weirdest, dumbest, I, I, where I got mad, um, I was doing a gig in Orlando at the improv. This was the old improv that used to be downtown. Um, the owner was the same guy who was that shady manager of the backstreet boys. And you know, that Lou Pearlman. Yeah. Got so a story anyway, about him as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, headlining there and, um, it's a Wednesday night, you know, small crowd. There's maybe 30 people there. And, um, Things are gone. Okay. You know, for a Wednesday, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, a waitress walks up and she's got a, sh a shot. And she goes, Here, this is your shot from, you know, this is your welcome to Orlando shot. We do this to all the headliners. I'm like, Oh, cool. What are, you know, I said, What is it? She goes, That's a redheaded slut. I'm like, Oh, that's easy to do. <clears throat> and I said, Cheers, everybody. First night, Orlando, blah, blah, blah. I went, Doom. And it was strictly Tabasco sauce uh with 151 
something in it. It was, I don't do spicy stuff. Um, I literally turned red. My throat kind of swole up. I started sweating and snot was coming out of my nose and it, and it went from like a funny joke to like, now I'm berating the staff. Like I'm yelling at people. Like, why would you do that to your headliner? What a, I could die right now. I, have a, I got mad. I actually told the crowd, let's all leave. Don't pay your bill. Let's get out of here. And I almost threat like I'm not coming. They back. love to hear that. No, they don't. <laughs> don't pay your bill. You try to kill leave. your comedian. Uh, you know, all, all all politeness is off the table after that. So I'm like, and I don't say that unless you try to kill me. <laughs> so let, I was like, told the crowd, let's get the hell out of here. Screw this place. And no one ever fessed up to who did it. I have, I still have my theory of who organized that. But no one ever fessed up to it, and it was a weird weekend. And that club doesn't exist anymore. Well, neither does Lou Pearlman, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, true. right. It starts from the top and it trickles down. See. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, all right. So this is the part of the show where you know it's the check drop. You can just talk about whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to plug. You want to talk about your your new, um, you know, podcast number five that you're doing? Yes. <laughs> or, yes. Or whatever. Well, I'm very excited about my podcast called Country-ish. We've got celebrities on my podcast, even though I'm in Hickory. Uh, also, it's an award-winning podcast. Uh, we are ranked in the top three of new podcasts, uh, according to the World Podcast Federation. Nice. That's um, awesome. If you go Congrats. to World Podcast Federation, you'll see us out there. But anyway, um, celebrities such as – perhaps you've heard of John Stamos. I've well, heard. we have his brother, Marcus Stamos, on my podcast. Uh, perhaps you've heard of Alan Jackson. Yes. Alan Jackson is the producer of my podcast. He's on oh, the show. Nice. Uh, and another guy named Sebastian, who's uh, he's a man of mystery. He's six feet, seven inches tall. And anyway, we have fun segments. We do uh, small town news. Uh, I found my old high school journal. When I moved back home, I found... And I'm not a guy who keeps a journal. It was a project our English teacher made us do. So I found my old high school journal, and I read random entries on the show. What was I thinking about when I was 17? Um, oh my goodness. I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert, girls and football. But um, So we read those on the show. I'll let my friends make fun of me. Um, we do another one called Member Me where I pull out the old yearbook. And you know how you write in someone's yearbook? You know, uh, stay in touch call me anytime well that's what i do it's been 30 years but i call up these old phone numbers and mostly it's their parents who never changed the phone number <laughs> and, still have the landline <laughs> yeah yeah so i just call them up and talk to them and um yeah and we do another one called uh, how much is that screen actors guild residual check you would love this one i get i still get checks in the mail from the screen actors guild for past crap i've done movies like Harold and Kumar's. Harold and Kumar, uh, Eastbound and Down, HBO, Into the Storm, uh, Rodney sitcom. You get they, that uh, twice a year, monthly? How does that work? It's random. I get them probably, I, I probably get at least three or four a month. Okay. And sometimes I'll get like eight at once, and sometimes I get nothing for a month. But it's just random. And so when I get these checks, I'll take it on my podcast, and I, I, I make people guess. If you get the right amount, if you get it exactly right, I give you the check, and the closest person wins the game. Oh, nice. Get the check. What's the highest amount it's been, and what's the lowest amount it's been? Lowest lowest amount's probably like three three or four cents. 
Okay. Um, there was actually a bar in Studio City when I lived in Los Angeles called Residuals. And you, if you walked in with the lowest check, that you you get to drink for free that night, and then put your check up on the wall. <laughs> nice. Um, the highest would have been before all of this when I was doing the uh, Dodge Hemi commercials, um, because my agent had worked in the, the deal. Like he was a good agent, so not only did my appearance fee go up, but my residuals went up. So around the fifth or sixth commercial. When the, these commercials were airing a bunch, those residual checks were crazy. I would I'd get one in the mail for like, I don't know, $35,000. That's awesome. And be like, oh, this, and I forgot all about this. Um, it's great. It's mailbox money, you know? Yeah. Stuff that you already did, and they're still paying you for it. That's the best. Now, would there ever be a chance that they bring that back? You know, it's funny. So I shot my own pilot when I moved back home. Um, and all things comedies, you know, before COVID, we were supposed to be shopping this around. I had to cancel all that stuff. But shot this pilot. It's called Hickory Live. And it's a scaled down tonight show. I came out to Cloggers. We filmed it at a barbecue place with an audience. Um, I had segments. It's, I did the monologue. I have a sidekick, all that stuff. So in, the, in that show, we made a fake commercial about what if the Hemi guy had switched sides like the Verizon Wireless guy did. Okay. So all of a sudden, Verizon Wireless is now over at Sprint. So what if the Hemi guy switched automotive companies and we shot a fake commercial where now my character is grown up, sophisticated, drives a Prius. He's very white collar, <laughs> listens to NPR. I'm in a Prius. Uh, two guys pull up next to me in a Dodge Ram truck. They're looking at me like, what is that, a hybrid? And then, so we shot a fake commercial, and uh, hopefully, someone will pick it up and make a real deal. Well, I think you can start googling uh, higher ups of marketing over at the uh, Toyota Toyota yeah. factory and see if they bite at it. Yeah, it don't have to be a Prius; it could be electric car. It could be get your company. agent on that. Uh, well, yeah, everyone. <laughs> he's got time. Yeah. I promise, he's hey. got time right now. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Joey Edmonds. <laughs> well, he passed away. Oh well, never mind. Well, his daughter, Kate, she's probably doing something. She is no, no longer in the booking business. I no. believe she is still in the entertainment business. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll figure out something. I'm sure you will. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. And, uh, you know, good luck with your health and your family's health and you know, speedy recovery for everybody there on in Hickory. Yes, sir. Thank you, so. buddy. I appreciate you having me on. And um, I'd like to get you on my podcast sometime. Oh, yeah. I've got time. That's right. <laughs> We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do a comedy swap here. All right. Anybody out there listening or watching uh, Need a Comedian, um, summitcomedy.com, hit me up, and we'll see you on the flip side. All right, guys. Bye. See you, buddy.